We have been talking about things that Jesus said over the last few weeks. If you've missed any of them, we do have it on Facebook. We got it on YouTube. We do have a podcast. Like if you like to work out and listen to stuff, that's what I usually like. I know it doesn't look like I work out, but I do. You can listen to it that way and... uh, It's just a good way to catch up. I believe Jesus says some really interesting things, doesn't he? He was very countercultural, especially for his day. And let me just say, as a church, can I tell you, our purpose is not to be the biggest church around. There's there's nothing wrong with that. Somebody's got to be the biggest church, but that's not our goal. Our goal is not to be the coolest church around, even though I sometimes think I'm pretty cool, but my kids let me know I'm not. So... uh, That's not our goal. Our goal as a church is to produce lifelong followers of Jesus that follow after God's Word. Amen? Amen? We we don't want people to get hyped up for a little bit of time and then fall off. That's not what God's called us to do. He said, I've uh, commanded you to go and produce fruit, but fruit that will do what? Last. Last. See, you guys know that. So we want to produce lasting fruit as a body of believers. Amen? Amen? I know this may come as a shock, but not everybody who claims to be a Christian is actually following what God said, right? We can grab that title. There are far too many people in our world today that have mixed their politics with Jesus. They have mixed whatever the society is saying or whatever our culture is saying. Oh, culture says this, you need to get with the times, you know. That's all so Old Testament or that's so uh, 2,000 years ago. Well, let me tell you, Jesus 2,000 years ago is still current today. Amen. If it was truth then, it's still truth today, right? So a lot of people allow all these other issues to affect how they follow Jesus. I mean, think about this. Looking back at COVID, how many of you know there were a lot of people that came out of that time confused because this group is sharing facts and this group is sharing facts and they contradict each other. So how many of you know they both can't be facts? Right? A fact is a fact. And uh, I, I, we, we heard people saying things like this. I don't know which set of facts to believe. Right? You left you in a confusing place. For many people, they, uh, they decided it really depends on who shares the facts, on who, what I'm going to believe. But the reality, it's no longer facts are facts. What happens now, this whole new way of thinking that's going on, and, and just kind of follow my thought process here, There are now those competing set of facts, and uh, some people, the fact is only sufficient if it comes from the right person in the right news channel, or if the wrong person presents a right fact, automatically they're wrong just because they're the wrong person. It may be true, or if the right person that you want to believe gives you a completely made-up fact, they're right just because they said it. Have y'all noticed that in our world today? Here's the thing, if it's, a, if it's a fact that I disagree with or that I've already decided I don't want, I'm going to ignore it because my opinion is wiser than facts. That's where our world is. And where am I going with that? Because that way of thinking has seeped in the church. It's been doing it for a while, but I think it ramped up in the last few years to where uh, people have this idea, I want to find a church that agrees with the facts that I decide are true. I don't, you know, not, it doesn't have to be biblical, it just has to be what I think is true. And many people, they just want to surround themselves with people that agree with me, anybody that disagrees with me, I don't want to talk to you, Uh, I'll only follow a leader that says the things that I want to hear, 
I'll refuse to listen to somebody that doesn't agree with my opinion. What? I don't agree with that. I'm out of here. If the preacher disagrees, I'm out. I'm peacing out, right? And I believe that this kind of thinking that we are now living in as a church and as a culture really is a confirmation that we are living more and more in the end times. And you're like, why do you say that? I believe Paul prophesied that out of 2 Timothy. He said this, for a time is coming... It wasn't there yet, but it's here now. Let me just say this. When people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching, they will follow their what? Their own desires. They will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. False stories. Oh, yeah, I don't want to believe that. I want to believe this. this I don't agree with that. Uh, that's what we're in. That sounds kind of more like a cult, doesn't it? Right? I'm going to isolate my... Here's the thing. At the very least, what it does is produce people that have this superiority attitude, uniformity, you got to line up with me, and it produces a lot of aggression and very little room for grace. So with that in mind, here's the question we got to ask ourselves. What do I do with Jesus? Right? If, if, if I'm reading or I hear something that doesn't agree from Jesus, uh, what do I do with it? Who wins? Does my opinion or my thought process win, or does the, uh, what Jesus say win? Where's the truth there? I know most of us, oh, we'll let Jesus win. But what if it really steps on your toe? All right, what, who am I going to let win in that situation? For some, I'm just going to tell you, you know, we had a good time last week talking about some of the crazy laws in California, if you were here. But today, the message I'm going to give you today is very challenging. Because a lot of people are going to discover that the biblical Jesus that we are asked to follow and he expects us to follow after him is a little bit more. He's asking more than a lot of people are willing to give. All right? So that's what we want to look about. This is probably the, the, one of the more difficult teachings of Jesus, but I believe it's absolutely necessary for us, especially in the world we're living in right now. So he gives a clear command, then it ends with a difficult question. So I'll get to that at the end. But I want to set the stage for uh, where we're at. It's starting in Mark chapter 8, verse 27. It says, Jesus and his disciples went on to the village around Caesarea Philippi. Now for us, it's like, that could be anywhere for me. I don't even know what Caesarea Philippi is. And uh, it, it's a city, it was located 25 miles north Jerusalem, so that's a walk. They had to walk there. How many of you know you don't accidentally walk 25 miles in one direction? They went there on purpose. It wasn't, it wasn't an accidental, pa oh, we were just passing by. Uh, it wasn't that. It was an intentional trip. Now, here's the thing about uh, Caesarea Philippi. This is, the city was up on top of this hill, uh, but it was built right here, and it was a very evil, very wicked city built on a cave that was dedicated to the worship of Pan, uh, the goat god. He was half human, half animal. And I just want to kind of give you that idea because for many centuries, people went there to Caesarea Philippi to have sex with animals, to worship false gods. Uh, at one point in history, everybody was required to be naked if you're walking through that city. And uh, I know you're thinking, oh my gosh, what kind of weird place. Uh, it was so evil. It was the capital of, of, of sin and idolatry and sexual depravity. It was going on. Like, if I give you the, the I'm going to give you a city and see if you can name where it is. What city is known as Sin City? I'm hearing a couple different ones, right? 
So yeah, Vegas initially, but yeah, some people are saying San Francisco. So uh, here, here's the thing. For Christians that have been a Christian a long time, you don't go to Vegas because that's sin city. There's nothing but evil going on there. That was the exact same thing of Philippi Caesarea. Good Jewish people did not go there. It was an ugly place. It was horrible. And, and on top of that, the cave that I showed you a minute ago, uh, this cave right here was known as the gates of hell. It was a pit that was so deep that that's where they threw in their human sacrifices. They threw animal sacrifices in. And like I said, they didn't go there. But Jesus brings his disciples here. 25-mile walk to come here. I can imagine his disciples are probably scratching their head like, Jesus, what are we doing here? Right? I can understand a lot of the other places we're going to, but, you know, the gates of hell right here, the gates of Hades, this is Sin City. What are we doing here, Jesus? And uh, like I said, if, if he, Jesus was this controversial leader, and uh, he stirred a lot of people up. But at this point in Jesus' ministry, there was not like a clear agreement about who Jesus was. So here he is walking through this city. And then it says that he tells this, who do people say I am? And they replied, uh, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others say you're one of the prophets. And uh, how many of you know none of those are a bad thing? All right, John the Baptist was well-loved, uh, Elijah the prophet, well-loved, admired, any of the prophets. So none of those are bad, but Jesus pressed the issue a little bit more, and he says, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter spouts off, because he's always the first one to do that anyway, right? Whether good or bad, Peter's talking first, but uh, he said, uh, you are the Christ, you know, in other version, the son of the living God. And, and just in case you didn't know it, uh, Christ was not Jesus' last name. Right? You guys know that. That was a title. That was a prophetic uh, giving of the Messiah, the anointed one, the fulfillment of prophecy where Jesus was going to come and save his people. And so they're saying, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. So Peter knew it. And uh, he's declaring that there. So let me switch. Now that you kind of got an idea of where they are in Caesarea Philippi, and he's asking this question, the, the same version out of uh, Matthew, Jesus replied after he said that, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And check it out. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. And he goes, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now let me just back up here, because I've heard it preached for years that the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overcome the church. How many of you have heard that? Right? In reference to that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I believe it. But remember the context of where he is at. Jesus took his disciples to an evil, depraved place in the world uh, right where the gates of Hades is. And I, I don't know, we weren't there, but I wonder if Jesus is there and he's pointing at the cave and he says, hey guys, we've avoided this place for years. There's no more reason to have to avoid this. There's no more reason to have to fear this because even the gates of Hades will not be able to withstand my church. Amen. He, what he's saying is we're going to prevail even here. Even in the worst place that you can imagine, no evil place, no evil people can stop the work of God. How many of you believe that? 
right? A gate is set up to keep people out. So gates don't advance on us. Guess what? We get to advance on the gates. And he's saying, listen, we're here and we're going to have victory. He's saying not even the worst place you can imagine will prevail against my kingdom. It's going forward. I mean, think about it. In our world, where are the axes of evil? North Korea, uh, Iran, Russia, China. Guess what? None of those places can resist the kingdom. They can say, oh, no, none of that church stuff here. But guess what? The kingdom is still going forward. There's no school, no institution, no violent religion like Hamas, right, is going to be able to stand. No corrupt system, no politician, no political party. I believe that God's kingdom is going to win against the kingdom of darkness. Amen? Amen? Yeah, we can give the Lord a hand clap. Here's the thing. This is what we see. So many Christians are worried about a politician, government, courts, laws, evil leaders. Oh, they're going to stop the church. Listen, uh, they tried it during COVID. Guess what? It didn't work. It's not going to happen. It just, it can't happen because no power of Satan can defeat the church of the living God. Amen? Amen. Nothing. So, So guess what? When we look at things going crazy in our world, we don't have to live in fear. Well, oh no, what's going to happen? I believe there's too many Christians running around like Chicken Little. Oh, the sky is falling. Oh no, look, this is going to happen. Oh, I don't know. Listen, even with what's going on in Israel, God is still in control and He still gets the last word. Amen? Amen? God's kingdom's going to stand. So I, I just had to put that out there. But let's go back to Mark where we left off. After he said all that, uh, the gates of hell's not going to prevail. He tells everybody, tells them, don't tell anybody right now. And, and you know, this is kind of, eventually he's going to tell them, now it's time to go into all the world. But at this point, he hadn't gone to the cross. Uh, he hadn't purchased salvation for everybody yet. So it wasn't time yet. So he's saying, listen, don't tell anybody yet. But then he goes on to say in verse 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. And it says he spoke plainly about this. Now, I want you to kind of grab a hold of this. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew difficult times. And this is the first time in his ministry that he spoke plainly about what is about to come about. He began to prepare them. There's difficult days ahead. There's persecution. There's torture. There's death. Because up until this time, following Jesus has been amazing, right? Uh, Miracles. How many of you would like to follow Jesus when he's opening blind eyes, right? When the the the, uh, lame can't walk and they stand up. I want to be there for all of that. When the 5,000 were being fed and you see bread just keep multiplying and like those were amazing things. Occasionally when Jesus would stick it to the Pharisees in the eye, right? Like I'd like to see that. Yeah, give it to him, Jesus. Uh, All of that was amazing. But this statement that Jesus just made was the beginning of a strong opposition against Jesus, against his ministry, against the message that he was proclaiming. So you got to imagine being one of those disciples first hearing this. That had to be a little concerning because some of them had given up everything, gave up their business, gave up their life, and, and, and they had to like, all of a sudden, there was quietness that came over them. He spoke plainly about it. And they didn't like that. As a matter of fact, uh, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. I believe that this is the most bold, stupid thing you've all ever seen in Scripture. 
Can you imagine rebuking God? Here's the thing. He knew who he was because he just said it. He goes, you are the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the sin. Jesus saying, listen, God revealed that to you. And now here he is rebuking Jesus. That was a little bit crazy. I wish we had the transcript of what he said. All right, what did you say to Jesus? Like, uh, not that I'm going to repeat it, but uh, like this is this. I'm just I just wrote down some things that I'm thinking. Maybe he said, "What in the world, Jesus? If you are the Christ, you can't be killed. You're supposed to help us take back Israel from the occupation of the Romans. What's wrong with you, Jesus? Did you hit your head? Uh, I don't. I know you're the Son of God, but that's out of line here. Don't ever say that again, Jesus. Uh, you can't suffer and die. Are you kidding me? You have the power to overthrow all of these there. Uh, Jesus, wrong plan. Go back and make another one. <laughs> I don't know what he said, but Peter, Peter thought he had a better plan than Jesus. How many of you know sometimes we think we got a better plan than God? And, and, and here's Jesus' response. It's, not, it's in other writings, so just let me give it to you. Jesus said, thank you so much for helping me see the foolishness of my plan. You're right, Peter. I didn't think this was all the way through. I didn't think this all the way through. Let me go back and tell the others I was just kidding. It's just a joke. Suffering, persecution, death, all of that was a bad idea. You guys just hang out here, and I'm going to come back with a better plan. Is that what Jesus said? (laughs) No. It says when Jesus turned, uh, looked at his disciples, because his disciples, they were in agreement with Peter. So he's looking at his disciples, talking, he rebukes Peter, get behind me, Satan. Listen, how bad do you got to be when you get called that? (laughs) Get behind me. He says, you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. You're not thinking rightly. That was harsh. That was a harsh public rebuke uh, because Peter was trying to talk Jesus out of going to the cross. That's not the way. Peter didn't like God's plan because God's plan included pain and suffering. He wanted a different plan. He wanted a more comfortable, easy plan. And I believe that we have that same struggle because God's plan doesn't always make me comfortable. Isn't that true? I'm not always comfortable with the things. And it's just like the Rolling Stones. Guess what? You don't always get... I knew you guys listened to that, so... uh, but is, isn't that true in life? We don't always get it. That's the same in the kingdom. We don't get the reward without paying the price. Right? We don't get the blessings of God without the obedience of God. Right? We, don't get, we don't get a Christ without a cross. Aren't you thankful for that? We want our plan, not God's plan. Here's, what, here's the reality. Jesus says to follow him, but a lot of times we just want Jesus to follow us. Like, oh God, here's my plan. Jesus, would you come along and open this door for me? Thank you, Jesus. You know, oh Jesus, can't, you know, I need this miracle right here. Thank you, Jesus. And we just want Jesus to follow along and do our bidding, to do our plan. How many of you know it doesn't work that way? We can't determine that. We got to follow after, after him. Uh, his truth doesn't always align with our chosen facts that we decided to believe. So we have to follow after him. And here's Peter's bold impulsive, probably not very well thought out statement, really led to one of the most powerful passages in scripture. Jesus, at this point, decided to draw the line and allow his followers to know exactly what it's going to take to follow him. And not just his disciples, but everybody, including you and I. This is what it's going to take. He said, this is the deals, guys. This is what it's going to take. It's not going to be easy. 
It's not going to be comfortable. There is a price. Look what he does after he rebuked him. He called who? The crowd to him along with the disciples because like this, guys, this is for everybody. This is for everybody. And he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Again, how many of you know historical context really helps? Right here, he's making a statement and here, the, when crucifixion happened back then, uh, it was very common for people to carry their, have to carry their cross. Like the soldiers are not like, okay, I'll carry that big heavy wood. No, just like Jesus carried his cross, anybody that got crucified had to carry their cross to the place where they were going to die. And, and yes, they would be mocked, they would be spit on, they would be whipped, uh, all of that stuff. And history teaches us that a lot of people would die before they even got to the place to get crucified. And so he's saying, carry your cross. Uh, uh, again, in this same area, Caesarea Philippi, uh, we don't know the exact time, but sometime 10, 20 years before, there were a lot of people that were killed because they started following a false messiah. And uh, there was an uprising that happened. You know, the, the uh, Romans came in, King Herod and his son Philip, who got that area. They crucified all of the followers. There were like over a thousand people that they crucified. They died there, and then they decided to leave the crosses up just as a reminder that if you start following the wrong person and not following Rome, uh, this is what's going to happen to you. So for several years, a couple of decades, those crosses are up where they can see them. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you got to pick up your cross. I mean, how many of you like the song, The Old Rugged Cross? Anybody? I mean, that's an awesome song, The Wonderful Cross. Thank you for the cross. Anybody have cross jewelry? I can see uh, one's a cross necklace right there. Anybody else have that? Ring, necklace. Uh, what about a cross tattoo? Anybody got a tattoo of a cross? I see a few. You guys can put your hands up. I know some of you have that. <laughs> Listen, have it in your home. Anybody got a cross in your home? We got a cross up here on the stage. Nothing wrong with that because when we see the cross, what do we think about? We're, yeah, we're thinking about the sacrifice Jesus paid so that you and I could have salvation. So there's nothing wrong with that. But think about this. The crowd that day, they had no idea that Jesus was going to carry a cross. All that they saw was that an instrument of shame and torture. They didn't see anything wonderful about a cross. If they would have heard us singing the wonderful cross, that you might as well have heard them singing, a, oh, the wonderful electric chair. Oh, what a wonderful torture of death. I, what an you know, they don't understand that. And Jesus is saying, like, well, they're like, why in the world would anybody purposely take up a cross? Who would do that? And I can imagine Jesus pointing at the countryside where those crosses saying, if anyone would come after me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross. Like, just letting them know, listen, friends, it's about to get difficult. This following me thing is not exactly what you think it is. The cost of following him is going to include persecution, shame, and death. Man, what a good message you chose to preach today, Pastor, right? Listen, I'm confident that Jesus lost followers that day. Because they're like, mm, I don't know, peace out, that doesn't sound good, Jesus. I don't like that. They, they, they discover that it's not just about having a good time, going to revival, shouting hallelujah, and seeing all the miracles. I'm convinced that Jesus was trying to establish, here's the real cost. 
Guys, here's the clear picture. This is what it's going to mean to follow me. And uh, all of those that were kind of following for the kicks and giggles and all of that, they were like, mm, no, no, I'm not like, I like to see the miracles. Those are cool. Show me a miracle. Show me all of that stuff. But Jesus pur- purposely raised the bar, not in order to lose people, because that's not his goal, but because he wanted people to be prepared, his followers, for what is going to come. What was going to come in a world that, that does not accept him? He knew that only fully committed, all-in people that are willing to deny themselves are the ones that are going to make it through the tough times. Amen? So taking up the cross is denying myself, giving up what I want for what he wants. See, when you deny yourself, you're putting your desires, you're putting your wants, you're putting your needs and preferences for his plan and his commandment. Lord, I'm following after you. Denying yourself. Listen, it's not about me. It's all about him. And the sooner we can learn that in life, how many of you know the better off we are? As long as you live your life with just, oh, it's all about me. I just want to be happy. I want this and I want that. Uh, You're going to stay a toddler all your life. Amen? It's time to grow up. It's not about my comfort. It's not about my convenience. It's not about what I require to be happy. We need to put all that aside, pick it up. Listen, the cross is a symbol of sacrifice, pain, and death. Then and today. Guess what? Following Jesus requires us denying ourselves. We don't always get to do it. And listen to me. These are difficult days ahead. We see it happening in our world, don't we? It, it, you know, you don't go from no persecution to being thrown in lion's dens in one day, do you? It's a slow progression that begins to take place. The, Jesus predicted it. The Bible does it. We see things unfolding in Israel in the world. This was a few weeks ago, a few months ago. I don't remember what. But there was a woman in England that was arrested for standing in front of an abortion clinic and praying quietly in her head. Like, if you can get arrested for your thoughts... Right now, and she got exonerated from it, but here's the thing. It's a slow roll going down a wrong place. Christianity in a lot of places has already been labeled hate speech. It's already there. It's, it's not like it's something that's going to happen. This is a report uh, Pastor Colleen and I saw a few weeks ago, so I had to look it up. Uh, major banks are closing accounts with well-known ministries because they've already deemed them hate speech. They can just close your account, even if ever you got money in there. Uh, one of them is the Indigenous Advanced Ministry that helps orphans and widows in Africa be able to get uh, businesses and provide for the life. And Bank of America closed their account because somebody said they were a hate group. Family Council of Arkansas, which promotes traditional values, family values, was canceled by J.P. Morgan Banks. You can look this up. Uh, Pro Family Ruth Institute that uh, uh, lost its payment processor after being targeted as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Let me just say, I'm not here pronouncing doom and gloom. I'm just saying it's not getting easier. How many of you have noticed that over the years? If you've been, it's not, regardless, let me just say this, regardless of who becomes the next president. Oh, if we can just get the right person in there. Listen, if you're not willing to deny yourself, I just want to tell you, you're not going to make it. You're going to quit, you're going to flame out, you're going to walk away, to which I know some people will say, just like Peter, oh, if everybody else leaves you, Jesus, I'll still be here. Did that work out for Peter? 
No, he left as well. I mean, I, I say that, really, let me ask you this question. If, and I know I'm going to get a little bit serious here, but, but please listen to me. If coming to church resulted in persecution, hardship, difficulty, threats of prison and death, would you still be here? Yeah, would you still, will, will you be faithful? I mean, like many people stay away now because, oh, I got a little headache. I don't know if I can make it. I didn't get a good night's rest last night, so I'll just catch it later. Or, you know, i got to watch the big game online, which, uh, you know, for some of us, uh, if the Cowboys are playing, I don't care. I'm not watching it anymore, so no. <laughs> Here's the thing. We're going to be faithful then. All right, if we're not if we're not faithful now, if we're not willing, here's the thing: if we're not willing to give God ten percent, but then we'll be willing to give everything. Think about that. You're gonna you threat of losing your job. This happens in church and countries around the world. Lose your home. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna stay faithful then. And I believe yes, COVID was a test, and it revealed what is gonna happen to the church if persecution really comes. And let me just say this. COVID was not persecution, it was a virus. And guess what? Statistics showed a third of the church dropped out. I'm out, peace out. You got a mask, I'm not coming. You're not wearing a mask, I'm not coming. I'm just not going to be there. And still today, millions of people haven't returned. Across the U.S., they're like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. I'll catch it occasionally online. That's all I'm going to do. And, and if a church or a leader tells you to, to deny yourself and sacrifice, they're like, nope, not me, I'm out. Right? As opposed to being a fully committed follower of Jesus. So Jesus said, if anybody would uh, come after me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. And then he continues, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life from me for the gospel will save it. i got to see where I'm at on the scripture here. There we go. And then he says, uh, what good is it for a man to gain the world and forfeit his own soul? Wow. What does it profit? You know, he's at, here's what Jesus is asking. What matters most to you? What really matters? Is, is it worth following me? I mean, if the cost is high, if the road gets difficult, you still want to follow? You still want to be there? And the context, I believe, of this question is powerful because he's got this big cave called the Gates of Hades. He's got this countryside which has dotted with crosses, and he's saying, hey, listen, is following me even worth this? Are you willing to do that? You see, we can live our life with the goal of accumulating power and finances and status. Our life priority can be about, oh, I'm going to build my business big. I'm going to make a lot of money. Our ambition in life could have the, be to have the best cars. I want to have the biggest house, the most amazing vacations around the world. You can do all of that stuff. You can let free time and fun time be number one. But in response to that, Jesus is saying, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And then he says, what can a man give in exchange for his soul? What can you give? I mean, how many of you know, I know this is kind of, it's quiet today, isn't it? You're like, Pastor, you're throwing it on super heavy. But I, but I think that these are things that we need to think about. Am I right? These, these are things that we've got we to ponder in our heart. Jesus gave it to them. And uh, w- here's the thing. What is it that I'm willing to trade for my soul? What would I give up? What is your soul worth? What is your relationship with God worth? And maybe a better way to ask it is what aren't you willing to trade? Here's the, here's the key question. What in your life is off limits to God? 
Oh God, I'll serve you here and I'll serve you here, but you can't touch this area, God. You can't touch this area right here. I mean, let me just say, forget tithing, giving 10%. If you're not willing to do that, you'll never respond to anything else. That's like foundational. If God says, give everything, what if God said, empty out your savings account and give it to me? Hmm, how, many, how, did, how well did that go with the rich man that approached Jesus? All right, he walked away, right? So he wasn't willing, he wasn't even willing to, what if God, what if you have your nice vacation home and God says, hey, listen, I want you to sell that. I want you to give the money to missions. What if, what if he told you to give up that hobby that is consuming your time? Uh, what if he said that? What would we do? Those are things that we have to ask ourselves. What if God says, hey, listen, you're putting other things ahead of me. You're spending more time uh, at the lake. You're spending more time hunting, golf, whatever it is. You're spending more time with family and friends. And not that any of that stuff is bad, but what if he says, hey, listen, you need to make my church, you need to make my kingdom a priority. What would we do with that? What about a relationship? If you've got a relationship that's coming before you and God that's not right, how many of you know, would I cut it off if God told me to? Would I do that? I mean, those are questions. What, here's, a, here's the thing. Whatever you're not willing to give up to God is what you've decided you will give in exchange for your soul. Think about it. Whatever I'm not willing to give up, that's what, okay, that's what my soul's worth. That's what it is. Take it all, right? So uh, here's, here's the thing, that uh, we can appreciate Jesus, but that's not the same thing as following him. I can love the commands. Oh, man, I love the story of Jesus. I love Easter time. I love Christmas time here and all of that stuff. Uh, but the call is to follow him. That's what we're called to do. And get, where did Jesus end up going? To the cross, right? Guess what he's calling us to do? Pick up our cross and follow him. Listen, I would imagine that it was quiet that day as Jesus was speaking those words. Like big swallows were going down. You saw Adam apples jumping up and down, right? Like Kind of like it is here. It's a little bit quiet, right? But it's okay because we need to actually think about these things. So he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen, this is a question we got to ponder. What is, what is it worth to follow Jesus? And I want to tell you, I mean, as, as your pastor here, I'm not going to be afraid to call people to sacrifice. I can't be. I can't be. I can't be the defensive pastor that's just trying to make the popular decision in order to keep people. Oh, I better tell them what that... Well, I can't talk about that because they may leave. I can't say anything about that. Listen, I, let me just say, I refuse to be a part of a, a, a group that produces low commitment, stick to it, only when it works for me kind of follower. Because they're not going to last. And, and Jesus was transparent about what it takes to follow him uh, as Freedom Church. Listen, we want you to walk in freedom, absolutely, but we're going to be honest with you, Amen. We're going to tell you. I hope you want a pastor that is transparent that way, not one that's just caving into culture. Amen? amen? I'm saying that hoping to get an amen out of that. So uh, li listen, I'm not into losing people. I hate that. I hate that when people walk away. It's like, oh, it's just too much. But I refuse to support facts that are not biblical. Listen, what our culture says is acceptable today. If it's against God's word, I'm not going to embrace that. 
I don't care what kind of, like I said, I don't care what kind of public opinion poll. Man, the church needs, just needs to catch up to the times. No, the times need to conform to God's Word. Amen? That's what he said. That's why God's Word is so important to us. This is one of our foundational beliefs. You can find it on our website. God's Word is our guide. It's our authority. The infallible truth is everything. We stand firm where it stands firm, and we remain flexible where it remains flexible. That means I'm not going to be dogmatic about something that the Scripture is not. We are intentional in keeping the Bible central in the ministry and the things that we teach. I think that that is important. So when Jesus said, if anyone's going to come after me, you've got to deny. You've got to begin to follow after me. And then Jesus said one more thing that really drove it home in verse 38. He says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes to his Father's glory with the holy angels. Everybody, that was like, ooh. All right? You know what he's basically saying? Listen, if you're ashamed of me now, I'm going to be ashamed of you then. Uh, that's, that's hard to hear. Let me read it out of the uh, message version. It says, if any of you are embarrassed over me and the way I'm leading you, when we get around your fickle and unfocused friends, anybody have those friends? Uh, it says, know that you'll be an even greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when he arrives in all splendor of God, his Father with an army of holy angels. Wow. This, this is what Jesus said. You can't follow him without paying a price. There's a price that has to pay. And, and listen, I don't want persecution. Anybody want persecution? All right? No, I don't want it. It's not my desire. But listen, Jesus says it's coming. So what do I do? No, I'm just going to stick my fingers in my ear. It's not going to come. It's not going to come. Uh, in some countries, like I said, Christians are paying the price with their very lives. They are losing homes. They are losing family members. And sometimes we live in a bubble here in the United States, and we're like, well, we live in the United States. That's not going to happen here. Do we think that that's true? It is happening here. It is slowly beginning. Do you realize a, a presidential candidate, if they claim to be a Christian, especially a sold-out one, you're not going to get elected. Right? There was a time in our country where you had to be a Christian if you were going to get elected president. That's not the case anymore. So we see things are going. And none of us accidentally follow Jesus. It's a decision that you and I make. And the road to following him is denying ourselves. Being able to say, okay, God, I'm going to follow your will. I'm not going to follow my will. I'm going to hear what you have to say. Because Jesus said, if anyone would come, I've got to deny myself. Like I said earlier, no doubt, many people walked away. No, I'm not doing this. And the followers of Jesus that day became fewer. That wasn't his goal. I mean, God's, God's command is not to lose people. The scripture, and we sang the song, first song we sang this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that all who believe... He wants all of us to come to repentance. That's what the scripture says. And he gave his life to redeem you, not to make any of us miserable. But guess what? He wouldn't be a good savior if he didn't tell you the whole truth. If he just told you, hey, listen, just follow me. Everything's going to be amazing and wonderful. No, he's telling us the truth. That's what a good Savior does. He's saying, listen, there's going to be difficulty ahead. There's going to be challenges, and, and things are going to get more difficult, and guess what the result is going to be on the church? 
This is a reality right here. We've learned it from recent church history. We've learned it from old church history. When things get more difficult, two things happen. Number one, the church gets smaller because all of the lukewarm Christians leave. Right? They're like, hey, listen, I didn't sign up for this. I thought Jesus was just my life enhancement person. I didn't know that there was going to be problems with this. So the church gets smaller, but at the same time, the church gets stronger. Because those that are committed, they get resolve in who they're following. They're no longer playing this half-hearted Christianity. They're saying, I'm all in. And as the church gets stronger, guess what? It begins to grow again. And so there is this process we have witnessed uh, throughout the last 2,000 years of the church. Oh, persecution and difficulty hits. Some people leave. Church gets stronger. Then it begins to grow. So I think the question we have to ask ourselves, where am I going to be at in this process? Am I going to be the one that gets out of there? Hey, listen, I'm scatting. This thing is getting too crazy. Right? I'm not getting the promotion at work. I'm not getting the things that I want. Where am I going to be? What are we going to do? I believe that there is no better day than today to make a decision to follow Jesus because, listen, everybody here has just heard the truth. It's not, I'm not up here saying, hey, listen, everything's going to be peachy if you just follow the Lord. God's going to be with you, I guarantee it. Through the difficulties that we go through, he, what did he say? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. See, you guys know that stuff. So even though in Psalms 23, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, guess what? I will fear no evil. Why? He's with us. So God will be with us. He's not going to abandon us. And a lot of people are like, why would I want to follow Jesus if that means persecution, torture, and death? Sign me up. Why would we do that uh, other than we have to realize that we're going to pay a price either short-term and long-term? Right? The short-term price is simply, listen, we're going to go through life and there's going to be challenges. There's going to be difficulties. There's maybe things that, that, that we lose out. But guess what? The promise in the end is that I get to spend eternity with Him. Amen? Amen? The long-term price are those that do what they want on this side of heaven. And guess what? They spend eternity without Him. I don't want to pay that price. We get to determine what price we're going to pay. You either pay it now or you pay it later. You've heard that commercial, right? And so we get to make that decision. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand where you are. And uh, listen, I know many, I don't know everybody's spiritual condition. I'm not God. But you know where you are. You know where your situation in life is. And God has called us to make a decision. Those disciples, those followers that day, after they heard this news of what Jesus did, and I believe it's more shocking than anyone that has heard this today. They're like, what in the world is going on? We have the whole picture now. We know what Jesus did for us. We know he went to the cross to make payment for our sin so that we could have eternity with him. They didn't have all of that knowledge, but they still had to make that decision. Okay, God, okay, Jesus, in spite of everything that you've just said, I'm still going to follow you. Even if this, you know, Fred on the left and... Some other name, I don't want to call somebody's name out. Uh, on the right, chooses to go the other direction. Lord, I'm making a decision to follow after you. So I'll tell you, after this last week and events and things that are going on, I don't know what the future holds. It may be another hundred years before the Lord comes back. But I believe that this is pushing events closer and closer. And I really felt challenged to challenge each of us, even if you've been saved for 50 years, 
to make a, a decision to say, to, you know what, God, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to follow you. And so uh, I've asked the worship team to, to sing this song. And uh, listen, I, let's sing that. And if that's you making a commitment, and maybe you're here today and you're like, hey, listen, I have not given my life to the Lord. If he were to come back today, I don't know where I would spend eternity. Listen, you've got a decision to make. And sometimes I will lead you in a prayer, but I want your prayer to be, or your decision to be, between you and God right now today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but as we're singing this song, if, that, if you are in agreement, I'm going to encourage you to make that decision. And just tell God in your own words, God, I love you. I want to give my life to you. I want to follow you from this point forward. Even if you have been walking in the other direction, some of our prayer team is going to come up if you need prayer for anything. But don't leave until this song is done, okay? And make that decision in your heart between you and God and say, God, today I'm following after you. Amen? Amen? So uh, can I have the prayer team come up at the same time? So... Uh, if you need prayer as well, you may come up. But let's make a decision today. Between you and God, I don't care what this life holds. I don't care how bad things get. God, I am following after you. Amen.